Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. I'm Harmony Harkema, and my co-hosts are Annie Carlson and Heather Gerwing. We are three ordinary homeschooling moms with nine kids ranging in age from early elementary to high school, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier and more fun. We're so glad you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers. We're talking about homeschooling on the go this week. And what we mean by that is homeschooling that incorporates travel or adventure. For example, last summer, Heather and her family took a big trip out west and visited many national parks and got a whole education in the terrain and landforms of the Western United States. And they schooled on the go with their regular curriculum in part, but also that travel was part of their education. So we want to talk about education where you are being hands-on, leaving your home and having experiences, whether it's in your local community or across the country or even internationally and what that can look like. So Heather, do you want to talk a little bit about your big trip and what that was like to plan and execute? Sure. So last Christmas of, let me get my years here. 2020. 2020. Right. My husband was going to have to be back in the office uh, March 1st. And right before the holidays, they pushed it to June 1st. And we were like, we're never going to have this opportunity again. Our kids' sports weren't running like at full capacity. And so it wasn't like they were going to be missing out on things. And this is something we always wanted to do was take a trip out west and visit a bunch of national parks. And so we did it. In a matter of months, we had to buy a new to us vehicle that could tow a trailer. We bought a trailer and we booked a six-week trip. I don't even remember how many different campgrounds we stayed at, but we visited, I think, think the end number was 19 national parks. And then there was even some like national monuments and national memorials on top of that. So yeah, we took six weeks. We left. We were actually on it this time last year. We left April 17th last year and we went till Memorial Day weekend. It was one of the best experiences we've ever had. We're gearing up to take another mini two week trip this summer to visit some more on the East Coast this year. But yeah, it was such a great family experience. It was, you know, memory making, but it was also so educational. The stuff that we didn't do for our homeschooling that we normally would have done at home, I didn't worry about because we were gaining so much other like hands-on real life, real experience education just can't be compared to, right? We do teaching textbooks for math, which is great because it's online. It's on the computer. The kids download their lessons. And it's also great too, because they allow you to pause your subscription to it. So like some weeks, if I knew we were going to be really busy with parks, I would pause it, you know, so it wouldn't eat away from our time of our subscription. But then other weeks, if it was just going to be like a lot of driving that week or something like that, I'd be like, okay, get a couple of maps, math done this week. And so they would do math in the car when we were driving. And then we also last year did uh, not grass. My girls did high school American history, but my boys did the um, not grass 
America the Beautiful. And each week in that curriculum, it talks about God's creation. There's one day of a week where it talks about God's creation. And a lot of the things that curriculum talks about are the national parks. So we brought that along with us too. And we would read, you know, what that book had to say about the national parks before we visited it. And then Answers in Genesis also has a couple of national park guidebooks for some of the bigger parks like Yellowstone, Grand Teton, Bryce, Zion, and Grand Canyon. We visited all of those as well. And then my kids also just did the junior ranger program at every national park we went to. Those books are so informative about the parks and just everything that you can learn about the parks. That's a little bit of what we did. I didn't worry about bringing, you know, like our spelling curriculum or our handwriting workbooks. I made each of the kids journals. And so they would write a journal entry for each day that we were at a park. And that was basically their writing and their grammar and stuff like that. And then my girls also learned all about video and editing stuff because they created a YouTube channel and made videos of all of our park visits. So they learned a lot by doing that as well. I loved watching your girls' videos. I thought they were the best part. (laughs) Yeah, you covered history, geography, Mm -hmm. science, culture, all of those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And even within the parks itself, all of the parks, visitor centers, you know, have so much information in them, right? So much information. And even throughout the parks, just the placards that you can read, they learned so much. Annie, you've done a lot of travel in state with your kids and you live in North Dakota, which has a lot of wonderful natural sites and resources. So how have you incorporated living in North Dakota into your homeschool? Well, I serve on a couple of boards. And so when I first started serving on these boards, I used John's mom as my childcare. And I would drop them off on the way. She lived right on the interstate. I could drop them off on the way and pick them up on the way back. I was at one of these board functions and one of my fellow board members said to me, she's an older mom, and she said, you need to bring the kids. And I said, oh my gosh, like they're all age four, five, and six. Like I, I don't really need that headache. She's like, no, this is for them. They need to see you serving. And this is what a life of service looks like. And so that really struck a chord with me that my kids do need to see me serving. And so then I started bringing them along and then um, John's mom passed away. So then they had to come along and we did school on the go. I had to drive four hours one way to these meetings and they were all day long. And then um, my stipulation for serving on the board was that I was not going to drive eight hours and then be in meetings for eight hours. Like that just, that wasn't going to happen. So I needed a hotel room for one night. So we would stay overnight. We would pack our swimsuits and we would have just fun time together. We would order pizza, which my kids think is the best thing ever mm-hmm. when pizza gets delivered. And so we just had those fun times. They did school in the van. They did school during my meeting. I always had things that they could do without me. Um, little activities when Eleanor was little, it would be like folder games. I would pack for her that she could do on her own. And then whether we're in the car, um, road tripping, you know, headed somewhere or we're at a meeting or, or something indoors, I always plan for what happens when the wheels come off the bus. Someone uh, gets their finger pinched in a door. You know, like, what if the wheels come off the bus and we have a meltdown? Then what are we going to do? And so I always had my Kindle along and always had 
like an educational documentary or something loaded on it. And I had earbuds with a multi-prong jack. And so they could watch. It was also a motivator that, well, when your guys are done with your school, you know, we can watch this documentary on oceans or whatever. And so just having things like that in your back pocket, like I did not tell the kids, if everything goes to crap, we got a movie to watch. No, mm-hmm. but you had to plan for that as the mom. Mm-hmm. And like in a board meeting, Eleanor would nap on my lap. So you just kind of have to plan for those things, like what's going to happen uh, if, if things don't work out as I have planned. Um, we road trip now. Um, the kids pack their own stuff. I don't have to be as hands-on managing them with their schoolwork. And so they pack their own stuff. Henry and I are headed off uh, this weekend. We're going down to a conference in South Dakota. I have a meeting. And then when we were, when we travel someplace, I always, you know, Google like fun things to do in Sioux Falls. Well, I happen to find that the South Dakota State History Conference is happening down the street from my meeting. And so I registered Henry. It's open to the public. And so Henry is attending his first history conference as a 12-year-old. He's an eight-year-old man trapped in a 12-year-old boy's body. And he's going to go to this history conference, which I'm assuming will be mostly older people. And he's going to love it. He will be in his element. (laughs) I read him the list of workshops and he said, really? Are you for real? Somebody's going to be talking about that? Yes. So he starts before I do. So I'll get him there, drop him off and, and get him situated. And then I said, I will come back and pick you up at lunch because he's done at noon and I have a break for lunch. So just finding those things that Mm -hmm. you can plug your kids into um, when you're traveling. Art museums or an artist that they've been uh, interested in. Look, there's a traveling exhibit at this place we're going to be. On our way back, we're stopping in Fargo. A high school classmate of mine, um, her daughter has a role in Frozen, the musical. And so we're going to swing in and we're going to watch her perform in that musical. So every place we go, I try and find something. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's an art supply store. And we can get, you know, sketchbooks or something that we can't get here. Watercolor pastels or something. I don't know. The world has so many wonderful opportunities that we as homeschoolers can take advantage of with the help of Google. Mm -hmm. Just finding those opportunities, plugging our kids into them and taking advantage of the time that we have together. I was also going to add, I remembered audiobooks. Hello, when you're in a car for that long, (laughs) you can get through a lot of audiobooks. I like to get audiobooks that have something to do with the place we're going. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we went out to Custer's Battlefield. So the Battle of the Little Bighorn uh, is out in Montana. And we were going out there to visit some family and do some other things. But we were, I said to John, we are going to be swinging in to the historic site. And so on the way out, we listened to Johnny Box's uh, The Greasy Grass. And it has all the different perspectives of the different people in the battle. It's not just the white male perspective. They had native perspective, women perspective. And so it was really like a well done first person kind of account. So we listened to that all the way out there. And so we get there and the kids were like, mom, this is where Reno made his last stand. And then he went to there. And well, well, that's where Ben Dean was. And it instantly came alive to them. Mm. They didn't even have to read past the names on the placard to know like, oh, well, this must be. And yeah, he went up the hill and that must be the hill and they'd run up the hill and they'd read that one yes this is the place and then you know we went to south dakota down to the black hills and the book i had picked for there was a little drier than the greasy grass but it was on the native people that for them the black hills is a sacred place and so how did that come about what did it mean to them and what tribes were there who was the leadership and it was more textbook than greasy grass
us with their different perspectives, kind of weaving the story. This was more textbook type. We went to the Crazy Horse Monument. I highly recommend if you go to the Black Hills, go to the Crazy Horse. Go to the Crazy Horse Monument and then go to the museum. So much Native and Indigenous art. Just Mm -hmm. beautiful work. They have a hall of bronze bus. And so my son was walking through there and reading the names. And he said, mom, if you wouldn't have made us listen to that book, I would not know who these men were. You can layer the learning with audiobooks. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this kind of dry textbook. You know, it could be a work of fiction, but that maybe takes place on the plains or takes Mm -hmm. place in the mountains. And that will bring that place alive. Like, well, this is a living book. Yes, this is, this is where, you know, the red fern might have grown, you know, this looks just like what they were talking about and layering those experiences. Audiobooks are a wonderful way, read alouds too, are a wonderful way to layer those experiences when you travel. It will absolutely bring them back to that place in time. They will drive through that area again at some point in their life and go, this is where I heard the story of where the red fern grows. It will absolutely tie them to that memory. We have not had opportunities since moving to do a whole lot of that kind of homeschooling yet, but I have always wanted my girls to be out in the community learning history. We tried to do as much of that as we could in Tennessee. And of course, now we're back in Michigan, which is our home state. I was born and raised here. Their dad was born and raised here. We live in the Dutch part of West Michigan. And my father-in-law came over with his family from the Netherlands when he was four. So the Dutch history piece is very rich for us. And then Michigan is just a rich place to live. And I know a lot of other states are too, but my girls have really embraced kind of like we've come home to Michigan where we're from. And they don't really remember living anywhere but Tennessee, even though my oldest was born here and lived in Virginia for two years. She just doesn't remember that. So it's a whole new a whole new ball game of exploration for them. So I actually decided that year after next, I'm going to give myself a little time to prepare. And they're in the middle of an American history, a two-year American history cycle right now that we're going to do Michigan history, geography, geology, nature study, science, all that. Michigan has over 101 state parks, which I didn't realize until I started doing a little research. But I remember as a kid reading Michigan literature and about the Great Lakes and the shipping mm-hmm. industry, the lumber industry. There's just a lot of different pieces. Native mm-hmm. American history. My girls have a great, great, great grandmother who was a Chippewa Indian. And so there's just a lot of opportunities for exploring. And we're going to do that and take time in our state to mm-hmm. learn about all of those pieces and mm-hmm. enjoy doing it. And they're really excited about it. So even though I'm just telling them, we're just now going to start planning this, they're looking forward to that. And one of the things Pam Barnhill said on a podcast, once that has stuck in my head for a long time was feet work before seat work. Mm. And seat work's important, math and writing and getting all those basic skills down, but also bringing your kids into contact with the world around them. And so I love, one of the things I love about Charlotte Mason was that she said, always said that education is the science of relations, connecting literature, nature, the world around you, having contact with those different things and making connections between those pieces of art and music and history and science and all of it, how mm-hmm. it all is interwoven, which is part of why I follow her method. I've tried to remember those things so that when we have an opportunity to take time away, I don't worry about it like, oh, we're not getting our normal school day. And it's like, no, this is an opportunity to learn, to experience. Just today, we made our first 
state park trip this year, we went up to Silver Lake Sand Dunes, which is about an hour north of us on the Lake Michigan shoreline. And the girls had tons of questions about all the rocks and how did these sand dunes come to be here? And we talked about the glaciers and the ice age and what formed the Great Lakes. And it was like just dipping our toes in. But I know we'll come back to those things and that there's a lot to learn in those areas. So I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to that. And there mm-hmm. are some people too, I know who travel with their kids widely and for longer periods of time. And so hopefully at some point we'll get to do some of that as well. Kind of like what you've done, Heather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, like as homeschoolers, we always have the mentality, like when we take, even if it's just a regular vacation, right? How can we make this educational? Like, yeah. what can we get out of this? We have family in two different states. We don't have any family here. So whenever we travel to see them, we're always trying to see like, where new can we stop? What can we learn? It was just, I think last summer when we went home to New Jersey, we stopped and we got off the turnpike and went to um, the Flight 93 Memorial. We're always just making a point to, to use the opportunities that we have Mm-hmm. If we're traveling to learn something new last year, like you made it a point, right? Didn't you take your girls to like the Laura Ingalls? Wow. Yeah. It was like a four hour, maybe a five hour drive to mm-hmm. their Missouri homestead. I said, we have to go to Mansfield, Missouri. Like we can't not do that. And right. I have a whole list of things I'm looking forward to doing with them that have an attachment to literature, but books, some books that they haven't even read yet mm-hmm. or people they haven't encountered yet. And even when we've been to Florida, we went to the library and got books on shelves out and mm-hmm. they collected and classified, you know, without me doing that, I just gave them the books. And then they mm-hmm. were like, oh, we have to use these books and figure out what shelves these are. And you know, it's what unschoolers would call strewing, put the books out where they can find them and then let them do the rest because natural Mm -hmm. curiosity will drive them. And so they collected hundreds of shells. They've still got a big bin full of shells that they will take out and they'll say, Oh, this is a, this kind of shell. And this is this Mm -hmm. kind of shell. And they'll, then they ended up hoodwinking me into buying books on shells so that they could go back and look and remember (laughs) what they were. So I think we have a couple of those little golden guides on seashells, you know, and they'll pull those out and and recategorize them. And so they revisit that learning yes. again and again like, on the mantle in the schoolroom. there's a big jar of shells from florida that they put mm-hmm. out there and that they like to take out and look at and they lay them all out in rows on the desk and then put them back in the jar and it's a whole thing we went to the smoky mountains um great smoky mountains national park i think mm-hmm. they've got every brochure in the visitor center mm-hmm. and it's all in like a box and then they go back and dig it all out and they're like oh yeah we went here and we walked here and i'm like yes and you cried all the way to the top of clingman's <laughs> dome because it was such a steep hike do you remember mm-hmm. crying all the way to the top of Queen's Dome. <laughs> We've tagged along on my husband's work trips as mm. well. He went to Washington State a few years ago for a trip. I was like, well, we're going. I took the kids to all the different, you know, Smithsonian museums. A few years ago, he went to Boston. I was like, well, we're going. Totally not planned. Totally not planned. I thought we were just going to Boston. But when I mapped it, we were driving out there. I was like, we're going right through Niagara Falls. Then we had to see Niagara Falls, right? Because who was going to drive through Niagara sure. Falls and not stop and visit it, right? I think just homeschoolers in general, you can do anything, whether you're taking a two-hour trip within your home state or if you're taking six weeks to travel across the U.S., you can make it a learning experience that your children will not forget. And you don't have to overly structure it, but just Mm -hmm. setting a tone of curiosity. I'm sure there are always kids who are like on board, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever, but that doesn't mean they're still not taking it in. Right. You know, and so sometimes it's just modeling for them. I always want to go in the visitor center. I'm always excited. Oh, let's go see what this Mm -hmm. is, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and setting them up by listening to an audiobook on the way, getting them that foundation of what they're about to see makes a big 
difference and you can can incite that curiosity in Mm -hmm. them. kids get older and you get a little of that eh, I don't want or that's boring then they can help start planning the trips and the stuff yes great idea what are you interested in and when we did a vacation down to the Black Hills each of us got to pick an activity that we were really excited about Mm -hmm. and it wasn't for everybody I didn't try to plan a vacation where everybody enjoyed everything we did Mm -hmm. no there were some things that mom really wanted to do John really wanted to ride an 1880s steam train well is that my preferred method of spending a hot August afternoon is riding a steam train through the mountains? No, but it was what he wanted to do. Giving each of them an opportunity to pick something that they were really excited about gets them invested in the stops and in the trips. I'm doing a 13 trip with each of my kids the year that they are 13, and we're planning the second trip now, and we're going to go to Wyoming. I think Henry has checked out every Wyoming guidebook from the library system and made notes of what we want to see. And at first he had what would amounted to like a three week tour of Wyoming. (laughs) And I was like, buddy, I appreciate all the effort you've put in here. However, I don't think dad will let us be gone that long. So uh, getting them to do some of the planning, getting them to do some of the the choosing and making decisions uh, as they get older, giving them some responsibilities can help mitigate that. This is boring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good, really good thought. For sure. I think we can wrap it up by doing our usual report of what is bringing joy to our homeschools right now. So let's start with you, Annie. What is bringing joy to your homeschool right now? Well, we have just come off of two very difficult weeks of winter weather which is not unheard of in North Dakota in April, but it's very unusual to have this much snow. We had about 30 inches of snow, first blizzard, and then the second one, we were right on the edge of freezing rain and snow. And so we had a good mix of both. So we had a lot of indoor time. And uh, going back to a previous episode, it was board games. Got the family involved and giving us something to do when we were inside for so long. It's also helpful for the parents because we were not standing at the windows worried. We're playing games. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully spring will be upon you very soon with lots of sunshine and no drought this summer. Well, this is probably what broke the drought. (laughs) Heather, what about you? What's bringing joy to your homeschool right now? Well, since we are recording this at the end of April, the thing that is bringing me joy right now is next year planning so yeah i love it i know don't you i love this time of year gosh is it time to do that already you're right oh we've already registered for our co-op classes for next year and so now that i know what they'll be taking at co-op i've already started you know figuring out what stuff i need for at home so it's like that curriculum buying time or at least making my list you know of what i want or what are the possible subjects or curriculum that we're going to use for next year so i love this time of year figuring out that out so that gets me excited that is exciting and what about you harmony we finally got library cards here so we had to join our county library so we're in a county that's outside of grand rapids but they have reciprocal loaning so you can go there's um kent county has a library system which is the county that grand rapids is in and then grand rapids city has its own city library system so we have been going 
to the library for library afternoons once every few weeks. And the girls just love it. And we go to the downtown, the big downtown library, which is in this beautiful building. And the children's sections on the second floor. And it has just lots of floor to ceiling windows. So there's lots of natural light and there's great tables. I can sit and work and they can just browse the stack. It's a great way for us to get out of the house and still, you know, for me to keep working and them to get some things done and explore new books and all of that. So we are really loving library days at the downtown library. So, all right, well, we have enjoyed this episode and we're so glad that all of you listeners could be with us and we will be back again with you very soon with another episode. Thanks for joining us on the Relatable Homeschoolers. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.